Thank you for listening to Discontinued On Display today. We are so happy that you have joined us. Before we begin our tour, we ask a few small favors. Please stay with your guides at all times. If you separate, you may get lost. Please refrain from eating or drinking, and no flash photography. If you can follow these guidelines, this tour will be a piece of cake. Welcome back into Discontinued On Display. My name is Matt, and we've got a Back to the Future situation because I am the grandfather of the father, in which makes it my I am my own grandfather, so that is why we've got a Back to the Future situation. Uh, and so if you're following along, I am the grandfather of Chris, who is my father, who I am the governor of of the state of the museum that he owns that I am the chief curator of and you are another curator of. You remembered all of that. Boom. Oh my gosh. Give this man a prize. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Chris Corrigan. Hey everybody. <laughs> I I am so overwhelmed uh, that Matt is actually my grandfather um, that I just, I can't, not this time. I'm good. I'll buy my time, but I'll get you. <laughs> um, I'll figure it out. We'll get there eventually. I'll, I'll outdo you yet. You can just you can be at the top of the ladder for right now. Okay. I, you know we've been swapping off. I I, I really want to keep this bit going. Mm. <laughs> so um, I, I I didn't I didn't know. I was like, do I Google? what beats dads <laughs> and, and i was like you know i, I feel like i don't want to like that that feels like the internet is a weird place that that felt like it was going to lead me to somewhere weird so i was like you know what we'll just go to the back to the future situation being your own grandfather i guess there is a futurama episode where they did the same thing too um and uh just you know go with that go simple and we'll we'll worry about the the more uh intricacies of this bit later <laughs> i have to say that you choosing to be my own grandfather is actually very fitting or your own grandfather is very fitting with what we're talking about today, what our episode is, because we're talking about a family business and a family recipe, something that stayed really within this group of people. So I'm like really well played. I don't think that was your intention when you picked that, but like not at all. It was fate. <laughs> yes. You know, we're, we are so good at this that that are oh, unintentionally we make things work so as chris mentioned we've kind of got a unique episode today mm -hmm. where where everything we've done so far and probably most of what we'll do for the rest of our first season here is mainstream nationally recognized brands so you know you you've heard you know wonka bar and easy squirt ketchup uh, we are recording this after my faux pas of calling it easy squeeze ketchup i have since fixed it <laughs> but this is one of our um this is a listener recommendation a listener asked if we could do an episode about something that's actually local to matt and i but based off my research it does look like it did leave the midwest a smidge uh so some people might be familiar with it outside of the illinois midwestern region 
Yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's a little bit, a little bit of a unique episode, and like you said, an audience suggestion. And so um, please keep suggesting things to us. Uh, this is this is our signal. Like, hey, look, if you suggest something, we might do it. We genuinely, we will talk about it. Like, we, I'm excited to see people that excited to interact with us and and have stories they want us to learn more about to share with them. And, I love sharing stories, so I want to make sure I'm sharing the stories, and I know Matt feels the same way that you want to hear. Yeah, so um, so I, we, we've been teasing it now for like two and a half minutes. Uh, so <laughs> what exactly is the product that we are talking about, Chris? So today we are talking about Dressel's uh, Chocolate Fudge Whipped Cream Cake, uh, which if you are from the Chicago area, if you're from the south side of Chicago specifically, if you're a south sider, uh, you are probably going to be familiar with what this is. This is a hot ticket item for the longest time. Uh, and it was a very big special occasion style of cake uh, that came about in the 1920s and was around until about the early 1990s. So it had a very, very long lifespan. Yeah, it's crazy that yeah, I was doing a, a little bit of research and you know when i when i type when you type something into google sometimes mm-hmm. it will autofill or say how are you looking for this and or but sometimes if you're looking for something that's too specific or um doesn't match anything in your search history or whatever it just kind of like lets you do your thing i started typing this in and Google's like, oh, you want this. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> now, I'm sure there's the algorithm working of like, oh, you're in the Chicagoland area. I'll bet you're looking for this. So I'm sure there was some element of it. Mm-hmm. But still, I was surprised that Google recognized that this was an, I. oh, you're looking for this specific cake. This mm-hmm. is what you want. Yeah. So like I said, this was a really smart episode for Matt to outrank me familiarly because this has a very strong family story. And it's at the, the Dressel's were a family that immigrated from Germany in the early 1900s, and the Dressels had three boys. There were three brothers. There was Joe, Bill, and Herman. And Joe and Bill got involved with their uncle, who was a baker and ran a bakery on Wallace Street in Chicago. And eventually, in 1913, they end up buying this bakery from their uncle and start their own business there. And then they got their brother Herman involved. And what's really cool is Herman got involved when he was really young. Like by the time he was 14, he was full time at this bakery. And what's really cool is Herman doesn't graduate high school. Herman stops going to high school to just throw himself completely into this business. I think his one of his children says in an interview that his dad only had a two years of a high school education and was, and you'll find out why, was one of the most respected and sought after bakery people in the entire business of baked goods and cakes. So when Herman becomes involved, he kind of takes on cakes. That's what he does for his brothers and the Dressel Bakery. Um, And he, in the 1920s, invents a cake that becomes so popular that it immediately pops up on Matt's Google searches later on in the 2000s. He invents a whipped cream cake, which becomes known as the chocolate fudge whipped cream cake. This cake was so popular that can I read some can I read some stats on this? Oh, please I, read the stats. I think you, I think you have the stats that I have, and they are just mind boggling. Please read the stats. Yes. Yeah, so, um, um, by late 1920s, um, it took two policemen to yes. handle Saturday crowds 
that to, that lined up down the sidewalk. They were selling two thousand to three thousand dollars worth of cake in 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 a day, and mm-hmm. realized this is the twenties, so these cakes were like a dollar at most. Well, there and was three price by, ranges for the cakes. There's sixty cents, seventy five cents, and a dollar. So yeah. when you do the math, bare minimum, they're selling like two to three thousand cakes a day, probably more. So the volume, and by the forties the volume built to 10,000 cakes a week and they had 10 phone lines to take orders. Like it did just, that is for, I, I think many of you may be thinking in now times where it's like, that's really not that many cakes, but this is the forties uh, where they are making 10,000 cakes a week and just mind boggling. And, and people would line up in order for this cake. This was a the hot commodity. And you have to remember too that they're doing this in a very controlled environment. It's not like today where it's easy for you to like, like there's this, oh, I can't think of, I think it's called the milk bakery. There's a bakery in New York that everyone's like obsessed with and they are send, they can send their baked goods all across the country. It's super easy. This is the 1920s to the 1940s. It's not, You can't just like bake a cake in Chicago and send it to someone in California like these are specifically Chicagoans and people from the Chicagoland area going to this bakery on Wallace Street in downtown Chicago and buying cakes. So there's at least there's people buying 3000 cakes from this small like area, this small circle on what is a huge country. Well, and and I have to say, cake, from what I gather, is not everybody's favorite either. It's not mine, really. So, what, what I, I was about to ask, like, what, where, what, where do you rank in cakes? What's what's your big problem with cake? I just never liked, I, like, I don't know. Cake never took off with me. I got sick a couple times from eating cake. I think I just had like a funky piece. I've just never. I don't think I ever had like a good cake as a kid. I've had good cake as a grown up. I have a friend who makes cupcakes that I would probably commit murder for. Um, and I will do things for a good carrot cake. I love a carrot cake. But for me, I just, I don't know. I'm not a big frosting person. And I think sometimes cake can go very overboard on frosting. That is true. That, And, and I think this is true with cakes and cupcakes is that the ratio mm-hmm. of, of, frosting to cake does have to be correct because i think on vice versa as well if there's a cake and it doesn't have enough frosting or enough you know other stuff going on you go okay this is just a lot of cake yeah um i am a pro cake person um pretty much i'm a pro treats person uh if you offer me treats i will eat them uh i don't care what time of day it is uh i will eat cake at eight in the morning uh does not matter if you offer me cake i will eat it um so yes i'm pro cake person but um kind of going back to that fro you know the, the the frosting thing that was a big thing when in the development of this cake that it was one of the brothers i want to say it was probably herman who was like the layers so the cake and whipped whipped cream yes, layers have to be specific they need to be even that i think it's like I, an what is it? An inch each? No, Something that's too like short. That. I think it might be like, you know what? I have one of the recipes pulled up. We'll get to that later. Um, I and I know uh, I have it. I there. didn't see. Um, I didn't see anything specific, but I just saw that that they were very like you need to have this. The ratio needs to be this. It is. It needs to be an inch of cake, an inch of whipped cream, and another inch of cake. And that was when they 
which is a story we'll get to. Um, that was Herman's method, but his kids were like, because people got so crazy for this cake that they needed to find a way people could do it now that they got his kids involved. And there was like this big test kitchen thing and the family like made up this panel and they were like, it needs to be this way. It cannot not be this way. Has to be. Um, yeah. And by the way, they talk about their dad. I would guarantee it was a Herman Dressel thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's the big thing with any cake. Um, and then nowadays too, I, you know, one of the things about this was, you know, nowadays there's so many wild cakes out there that I think just regular cake is unimpressive, which is why I Mm -hmm. also think why not a lot of people enjoy cake, because now you can get these wonderfully intricate Mm -hmm. desserts. And so if you just have like a regular cake, it's like eh, regular cake, whatever. Yeah. Still eat it though. And I think the Dressel cake back in its time was a very unique cake that cake with the whipped cream layer. And when you break down like how they made this cake, like the process that went into this cake, because and this goes back to the stats that you were talking about, Matt, they started selling so many that they needed to be able to kind of make them in advance and store them. So they started, and this is before World War II even happens, they're starting to experiment with freezing the cake. So that changes the recipe. They were putting... Um, finely ground carrot pulp into the cake itself so that it would retain more moisture and would defrost and still be a very moist, delicious cake. Uh, They stopped using butter and switched to using oil in the cake that helped um, with it melting in your mouth still after the freezing. That oil wasn't going to freeze the same way as that butter would um, in the cake mixture. Um, They, what did they do to the they did something to the frosting uh, to help it freeze better. I mean, every part of that cake, like they they deconstructed the cake, made sure everything would freeze perfect and then would freeze like the amount of work that went into making sure that they could make those volumes of cakes was just well, amazing. And even, like you know, I, the articles that I read said Herman, he studied like breeds of cows yeah. and grasses that they grasses that they were fed to hone in on, no, this is the cream that I want. And it was the cream Um, with the highest butter content. And then he still added butter to it. And they had special machines at their manufacturing site, which was on 66th and Ashland. And don't laugh at me. (laughs) I'm so so sorry. You said shite and that made me lose it. Did I? Yeah. Start that over. Instead of sight, you went shite. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, all right. Get, go ahead and start that one over. I don't know. I feel like we should leave it in. Um, <laughs> we can leave this in. I don't care. Manufacturing oh. sight. I don't remember how I started. I think we just need to leave it. That's fine. Put um, the E I'll... on. The, they're going to have to put the E on our podcast now. I said shite. Um <laughs> welcome we'll just leave this blooper in um so but butter butter you know butter makes everything great um really honestly most baked goods if you want to make something taste good just add butter i was that blew my mind and that again that they had to use special machines to do it and nobody knows how he did it like to this day no one knows like you can't replicate what they did you can get close but you can't replicate it that's the key of that time period where they didn't think to write something down 
or like he just knew how to do it. And especially if he started so young, if it was like 14 year old, when I was 14, I wasn't thinking my mind is not fully developed. I'm not thinking hmm, I should write this down for future generations. Like, no, I'm just going to do it because I know how to do it. And I'm awesome because I'm 14. Yeah. Um, that's the mind of every 14 year old is what I assume. Uh, and, and so, you know, now we're in this information age where even if you have a secret recipe or, uh, you know, you're, you're going to write it down to pass it on. Even if it's a secret pass on where mm-hmm. you, you pass on to family generations. Uh, you know, my family has, uh, Iowa chocolate cake with a homemade frosting Ooh. that is passed, has been passed down. Mm-hmm. And that is like the cake in our family. When we have family get togethers, it's grandma Brown's Iowa chocolate cake. And sometimes we don't always do the homemade frosting because that's a little bit more of a pain to make. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the cake is still like you got to have the cake. Um, but yeah, that's written down. Um, whereas at this time, they just weren't in that mode of, oh, we should probably like write this down for X, Y, Z reasons. So I think to jump off of what you said, there mu- there obviously is something written down because it has been blatantly stated the Chicago Tribune said it. The Dressel method cannot be replicated in a home kitchen. It is impossible to make the Dressel chocolate fudge cake in your kitchen. It's possible to make something similar, but you can't make it exactly the same. And I kind of brought this up earlier with how we were talking about how the family had gotten involved in a test kitchen situation. It was that the demand to have this cake again was so high that someone had to create a, a recipe for it. They got the family involved. They interviewed. They found out how it had been made, what those ingredients would be. How did they get the whipped cream to stay so firm in the center? And then made a bunch of versions, and they all sat around and tested until they could come up with the closest way you could make this cake at home. And I told Matt, I kind of wanted to try to make it before we recorded. And then I looked at the process and I went, I do not have time for this. Because the ingredient list is so long. For every part, there's the fudge cake ingredients, the buttercream ingredients, and then the whipped cream ingredients. And one of them is really weird. It's something I've never heard of called agar or agar agar or agar agar. I don't know how you'd want to say it, but it's essentially a vegetable gelatin that's going to hold your whipped cream firmly. Um... Now, I will say this. I have had a Dressel's cake. I've had a slice of it. Not a traditional, not a real one, but there's a bakery in Chicago called Wolf's Bakery that makes it, um, or again, makes as close as you can possibly get to it now. My mom went and got it for her birthday because Dressel's is a cake she grew up with. She's from the south side of Chicago. And so she went and she got uh, a cake with her friend. They split it. Her friend took half. She took half. And she's like, you need to try this cake. And I was like, well, okay. And it at, and I'm not a cake person. It was very good. It's a very, very good cake. So if you're curious, if we piqued your interest, like go to this bakery and get a slice or get brave and go to this blog post uh, called Lost Recipes Found. Because um, this is the woman who did this big test kitchen with the Dressel family and did a lot of, you, she, that's where I got a lot of my research was through her and her blog and some of the interviews she did and make it. And if you make it, send us pictures. I want to see, I want to know what that process was like. Yes. I, and and I'm going to encourage this again. I'm going to second this encouragement. 
please we really want someone to make this cake you don't have to share it with us uh you can you can you can uh, i'll get a p.o box just to get a slice of that cake (laughs) to buy a p.o box for cake cake Yeah, we, we, we're, we're, I'd honestly be curious. I was looking at the ingredients list and it's one of those like, part of me is like, oh, when I have my free day, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then I went, I don't know when the next time I have a free day. I have two children under three. A free day. If you are a parent, you know that a free day does not exist. If, if, if your day, if you're a free day, free in air quotes, if you can hear the air quotes in my voice. That that day is spent with your children. So, um, and I, I, I mean, I suppose my kids are, especially my oldest, is old enough where she could help like mix or something like that. But this is the other thing about baking that uh, that I I love doing it. But then after I'm done, I go, ah, I made all these dishes. Yeah, I have I, to clean them up. <laughs> there would be a lot of dishes with this recipe because of all the different elements. And but I again, I've tasted essentially a dressel cake and it's kind of worth it man it's a real it's really yummy if you can con someone into making it for you or again just get out to this bakery and and i think it's in mount greenwood uh out in the chicago burbs yes so please we will um on our socials and uh, we we will post out the link to this Mm -hmm. uh to this um uh, uh, a website. I don't know why it took me so long to come up with that word. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So please, we can get you that, get you that recipe and you can, you can uh, give it a shot. It up. Um, Absolutely. Hey, fun fact, the agar agar or known as agar or agar. I'm again, I'm probably, someone is probably screaming at the radio of like, it's this you idiot uh, <laughs> is a plant-based gelatin derived from seaweed. There you go. And it's um, magic, apparently. For those of you that are dairy-free, vegan, and gluten-free, it is uh, used in a lot of recipes there. So I'm sure if I went up and said my said that word to my wife, she'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's like uh, we have like probably have a bag of it in my pantry." To be honest with you. Well, then I um, think you're halfway to making me this cake, Matt. I think that's what you just said. Don't tempt me because I do I'm, like cake, and I'm I, going to tempt you, and then I'm going to come out to your home and eat this cake. Do you like baking? Games. Like, are you a baker or are you a cooker? Both. Um, I need to be in a certain mood to bake. I like to, so I like to cook because I can get a little creative with it. I can't get creative in baking. You, that's a science. You have to be very specific. But sometimes I just really need to put on my headphones and have that assurance that if I follow these steps, this is going to come out right. And I have one baking recipe. I can make scones, but get creative with the flavoring. I can make the base flour mixture and everything follow that step by step and then when it comes time to add what the flavor is going to be then i can get a little creative and that's fun so i do have a baked good that i can get creative with uh but otherwise i just depends on the mood what about you um kind of similar like i i've gotten more into it as i've gotten older and some of it is you know when i when i moved uh, to the Chicagoland area, I was I was single. I was engaged, but it was just me. I was living by myself. And um, maybe you can sympathize with this. And those of you who have had to cook for one or are cooking for one can sympathize with this. A lot of times it's like, okay, I don't want to cook anything for just me. I just want to like eat food. <laughs> and, and what's going to be the quickest way to eat food? So I didn't really do a lot of cooking. Well, now that I've got 
family, there's much more cooking involved and I like it. I like to do it. Um, I, I've, I've made many different things and baking is that same way. And especially in terms of like, you want to, if you, if you want to impress people, baking Bake something is, is, is a nice gesture of like, Hey, I, I, I baked this. You should try it. Um, so I've done donuts before that have Ooh. been really, really good. Um, um, I've done fudge, which is the easiest thing oh, yeah. to bake. Like <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to even call that baking. It's like heat up some stuff, dump it and then dump it in a thing and put it in the fridge. That's it. Um, I really like making seven layer bars and I make, according to the people I bring the seven layer bars to, I make really good seven layer bars. The best testimony I can give is I, I used to make them a lot at work at my old job. And, um, my boss would come into the break room and he would go, did, did Chris make these? And someone would go, yes. And he would go, son of a gun. And then he would like take four and he would scuttle away. (laughs) Like the gremlin he is just, that's, I, I mean, I, I, that's the other reason I like baking is I like watching people go, Oh no, I'm going to eat this. But, and that's, I think that's what feels so good about it. Like, that's why I like baking because Mm -hmm. when people really, really like your baking, I suppose this is with cooking too, that if someone, but there's, there's a difference. Like there's, there's a difference between someone like eating a meal you've prepared and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And because a meal, somebody has to eat that. Like you, you have to eat a meal. You don't have to eat treats. And so if you've, brought a treat and people are just like i love this oh this is so good like it, there's a positive feeling with that so um um uh, my my the the craziest that i've ever got with baking is um so like with most cake recipes there's like water involved uh if you substitute that water for like a can of coke or a can of dr yeah Pepper, i've done that it it uh that's my like i don't want to say like newfangled trick like i i know that's a pretty mainstream thing to do but that's fun to experiment with like okay well what if i do root beer with this cake or what if i do coke or what if i do dr pepper it adds a little bit of a a different flavor without messing with the science of Mm -hmm. baking one of the coolest things i ever did i followed a recipe but like i made a cobbler i made a peach cobbler with it was a layer of cinnamon toast crunch and then two cans of chopped peaches and then it was a box of white cake mix and then two sticks of butter chopped up and then sprinkled over the top and then you threw that in the oven for like i don't remember how long i want to say it was at 375 for like maybe 30 to 45 ish minutes somewhere in that range maybe it was an hour i can't remember but it came out disturbingly good well you had me at cinnamon toast crunch so i figured um, i did i was in um, so anyway, get now that we've gone on a, uh, now I'm really hungry and want to bake something. Uh, <laughs> I know what you should bake the cake, uh, yeah. the dress. I don't think cake. I have quite all the ingredients, but I, I guess maybe this is a pretty obvious answer here, but, uh, and maybe a difficult answer, but like, okay, this has been discontinued. Should this, it's already come back. Well, here's I, the thing. Like, we also haven't explained why it went away. Oh yes. So please. let's real fast circle back to that. So what happened was. Joe and Bill Dressel get, you know, old as people are wont to do. Um, and they end up sell- retiring and selling their shares to uh, this 
baking company called American Bankeries um, in the 1960s. And Herman stays on and American Bakeries is like, we want everyone to eat this cake. Um, and so they begin packaging the cakes in these red and white boxes and selling them across the country. I, I think you could I think you could have gotten them in New York is the one like place I know for sure that is in Illinois. But like when I talked to my parents about Dressel cakes, because they're both from the South Side, they were both like, oh, yeah, you would get them in the red and white boxes in the grocery store. Because by the time my parents were like kids, it would have been the 60s and the 70s. So like they weren't at the as much as I like to tease the, uh, how old they are, they weren't in the they weren't in the police court in line in the 1920s. <laughs> they were my grandparents might have been, but not not my parents. Um, so they are familiar with these red and white boxes, and you can see pictures of them. I'll, I'll try and pull one and post it on the pod or on the um, Instagram. I can't post a picture on a podcast. That's not how podcasting works, Chris. Um, I'll try and post it on our. Uh, uh, Instagram, but you can actually see them. They have a, a little Facebook fan page for Dressel Cakes. Uh, it's it's not that it, it doesn't have that many. I mean, we've talked about other Facebook fan pages with thousands of followers. This one has like a, a couple hundred, uh, which very makes sense because amount. it's it's so regional. regional. Like someone in the great state of Oregon is not gonna unless they are from or have some connection to the Chicagoland area is not going to randomly stumble upon this cake. Correct. So American Bakeries buys the Dressel Bakery and then they start mass producing these cakes um, and selling them in grocery stores. And then in 1987, American Bakeries sells to this French baking company that ends up going bankrupt in 1995. And with that, there goes Dressel Cakes. Then they're just gone. Um, and it was a travesty. People loved these cakes and people had always wanted to find it or recreate it. And like I said, a bakery in Evergreen Park called Wolf's Bakery, uh, they make it now. They actually started making their own version of Dressel cakes in 2009. Um, and it isn't the exact cake, but it is apparently it's pretty dang close. Um, so what went discontinued really is Dressel, Dressel's Bakery and then the actual cake itself goes away. There isn't, you cannot have the original cake, but you can get very close. Yeah, I just, I, I that recipe has to be somewhere. Like it, like, it has to be somewhere. I don't think it's the recipe. What I think it is, and this is why I think, yes, you could bring it back but you can't bring it back. And this is why there's a certain sense of heart. That's going to go away. There's a certain sense of quality. That's going to go away. We're in a very different era now than when Herman Dressel was baking cakes. And he is, you know, if you read through comments on some of these posts, um, on blogs or on, uh, you, there's some YouTube videos about the cake or on the Facebook, there are people who, worked for the Dressel company or their grandparents worked for the Dressel company or something. And they have stories of how nice Herman was um, and what a good employer he was and how personable, how he cared about his employees, how I think his kids talk about it in this film interview that they do on YouTube uh, that for him, quality was the most, you can't skimp on quality. People will pay for quality because it's, it's what's going to bring them back. Um, 
And it's something that made them stand out. So when I think of like, I've had the Wolf's Bakery whipped cream fudge cake. And I was like, this is good. So to imagine that there's something that's actually a little like, that this is good, but it's not the right, it's not exactly right, that there's something better than that blows my mind. Like that yeah. freaks me out. Because that that means that there's something really good. I don't think you you can get it back. But I think, I think in all fairness, I think some company could try and rebrand and sell this cake. I've never had a whipped cream cake. I've had ice cream cake, but I've never had a whipped cream cake before. And it's good. I would be, I think this is the first time I'm going to say this, Matt. I would be totally down for this product to actually make a comeback and be in grocery stores. Like this is something that people said was something they would keep a frozen one in their fridge for if company came over. That's how cool this cake was to them. I think if the if the right company was able to get their hands on it, I think Dressel Cakes could totally make a comeback. I think they could totally stand out in the supermarket as a unique style of cake. And I, I think they would sell. Um, yeah. I think you're right that, that how we produce food now is different. But I also feel like we're swinging back the other way where we used to be in this mass produce low cost. And I think we're getting back to more of like a, we realize that higher quality products need higher quality ingredients and uh, processes and mm-hmm. things like that. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of a weird one to to say, you know, should they bring it back? I mean, obviously a delicious cake. Yes, bring it back. Um, but I, it's not quite as as simple, I think, as just, yeah, just bring it back. Everybody wants it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, again, I'd be OK. Cake. More, well, the, always for more cake in this world. This is this is why I think this could come back, because if you go back in other episodes, what I what I've said about other food items where I was like, this can't come back is it couldn't come back because of the nicheness of it, of what killed the product of, um, you know, like with the Wonka bar, for example, with our with our premiere episode, there is no re- there's nothing that's going to pull anyone's attention to Willy Wonka anymore. There just isn't. Um, or like when we talked about um the mixed salad shakers and we talked about well nobody goes to make people apparently do go to mcdonald's and think ooh, they're salads but when you think of mcdonald's traditionally you don't think of salads that's not what you'll want necessarily you want their burger you want their fries um and that there were products that we were just like maybe in a limited run but really this couldn't make a stand and stick around i think this is something that and it's not because there's people that want it back. I think it's, this is something that just was good. The only reason it went away is it got absorbed into a company that blew up. But if another company were to pick it up and actually put the quality and effort and time into it, and I they, I think they could do well with it. Um, and based off of what I've eaten, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Do I think it's going to blow up and be like this big, everyone's going to want a Dressel cake? No, not necessarily. Uh, but I think it was a good quality, delicious product that has the room to be able to make a strong return to shelves in a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it just is regionally mm-hmm. that, you know, because obviously it would sell. I, I'll bet if you released it in Chicago, there'd be people that would go out and buy oh, 10 of them. And absolutely. Their freezer. Absolutely. 
I mean, uh, if you're in the Chicagoland area, tell me how many cakes you would go out and buy if they re-released this product. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, we know this <laughs> from working with with the senior community. I I don't know how many of your residents are Southsiders, but or Northsiders from Chicago, but those are very passionate people and they're very nostalgic people. My family, all Southsiders and very passionate about Southside things and Chicago things. I think that's just a Chicago thing too. I think Chicagoans tend to be very nostalgic. Um, and from when I, my time working in a historic house museum, people would come through and be very nostalgic about either pieces in the house that were reminiscent of their times growing up or had connections to other major Chicago stories. I mean, if, if they just released Dressel Cakes mass-produced in Chicago, they would make cost back. I would almost guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, that was a, that was an interesting... I, I, you know, I, you, you texted this episode to me because, again, mm-hmm. we've been doing all mainstream stuff and we got a list going. Um, and you texted, what about this? You know, I, I've been, I've been kind of seeing, seeing some, some... I've been doing a little bit of research and it seems like a really sweet story. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm very much in the mode of, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Because I'm all for episodes that don't all feel the same. But this one uh, was just a little bit of a different a different journey, a um, little more regional. Um, so, And the uh, thing I hope- loved about it was just Herman's story, mm-hmm. who he was. Like, he was, he didn't even finish school. And he became one of the biggest names in baking. And he invented... All these amazing, ingenious advances in freezing cakes and uh, the gel that you write on top of cakes with. And he became a very sought after, essentially, cake engineer, food engineer or food scientist, essentially. And I mean, to think of today, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to get a job in a bakery in, 2000, in 2020, 2021. That's, that's a big thing of of the time how the times have changed you know uh i i I, i'm a big disney person as you know because i host a disney podcast beers Mm -hmm. and ears shameless plug um (laughs) um, and that was something in the early disneyland era where walt disney would just walk into someone's office and say all right you're going to design a roller coaster and you know a lot of those imagineers are still alive and and you hear interviews with them they're like I, I'm not a roller coaster designer. I barely passed 10th grade trigonometry, but they figured it out. And, and, you know, similar generation where it was just, you got pushed into this because of family stuff and you just figured it out. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays we're so, so set on, okay, well, well, do you have the right degrees? And and don't get me wrong. There's certain professions that, that need degrees and training. I don't want my doctor who's about to perform surgery on me be like, you know what? Um, you know, I, I just kind of picked this up, you know, a little side hobby. Uh, I'll figure it out. Once I'm in there, I'll just kind of figure out what everything is. Like I would be horrified. Uh, lawyer too, like, eh, you know, I've watched enough movies and TV shows with lawyers to figure out what's happening. Like, you don't want that. But I'm pretty some sure stuff- I could defend a criminal murder case. I've seen Legally Blonde a couple of times and I'm just, <laughs> I know how to bend and snap. Let me just say that. So, so, um, 
so but I but there's so many jobs out there that I think we like, well, do they have the right experience for this? What degree do they mm-hmm. have? And it's like, why like why do we care? I, I don't want a person, you know, especially in, in 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 my current job, I don't want someone that necessarily is qualified. I want someone who is a self-starter, who is uh, conversational with people, mm-hmm. who uh, who can think outside the box, who can come up with creative solutions, who can come to a problem and go, how do I fix this problem? And and then not be paralyzed with like, a, well, I need someone to tell me the solution because I've encountered mm-hmm. a problem. And And those skills aren't ones, I mean, yes, you can learn them in school, but there's not a degree for you can't get a degree no. in problem solving you, you can't get a degree in any soft skill soft skills are something that you really need to look for and i think a lot of people don't i think it's very yeah. rare to find leaders who look for those um they're looking for those hard skills and i don't know when we had that that break in how we hire people and how we we seek people for jobs where they need to have the hard skills and not the soft skills um I'm starting to, I feel like I'm noticing a swing in that trend. Like you were talking with food quality. I feel like we're getting back to a time where people are like, I can teach you the hard skills, but I need somebody who is personable, is a problem solver, is a, a people person, all that other stuff. Well, because I think with our technology age, being a people person is going to become a hot commodity. Yeah. That you need somebody who, if you need someone who is like in sales or can really connect with another human being, I think that's becoming a really desirable skill because with the rise of technology, which is great, uh, it's, it's given us a lot of a lot of wonderful things. It's also degraded some of our people to people skills. And I know some people that just like conversation gives them anxiety because yeah. they they can't have a conversation outside of like technology. So. So this took a interesting turn, but <laughs> but that was the and I'm not, that's the reason I not the big reason. I mean, I pick part of the reason I picked this episode is got an audience member was like, "Hey, do this," and I was like, "Yeah, sure." And there's actual and information, and it's cake, and it had that really interesting element. That was the first thing I think I really noticed about that story was this person did great things, and by today's standards wouldn't have been considered to be capable of those great things. Like being a high school dropout, really aggressive air quotes with that. But in reality, he was just like, I can do this. And someone's going to let me do this. Um, It's just, to me, it was a very heartwarming story. And then also just how well he treated everybody too, as, as a leader, as an employer. Again, not someone who had been trained in management, just knew how to work with people and how to, keep a team happy and working hard. I mean, this was a family that had to utilize an apartment above the bakery during the busy season and take a nap and then get back up, make a bologna sandwich and go back downstairs and make another 5,000 cakes. I would be so sick of making cakes after a while. I like baking, but man, there'd be a time to be like, if I got to make one or more of these dang cakes. <laughs> uh um, so I, I think the uh, museum hours are coming to a close. Our tour is is ending. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, if you want to make this cake and send us pictures or a slice, uh, we will accept both. Uh, where can they send uh, where, us those pictures, Matt? 
Oh, oh gosh, where can they send us the pictures? It is, you can email us, discontinuedondisplay at gmail.com. This can also be for other uncake related things. If you just want have an episode idea, literally, if you just want to say hi, that's fine as well. We are very happy to respond to your, uh, to your uh, email. Very happy to interact with you on social media. Excuse me, uh, Twitter at discontinued pod and Instagram at discontinued on display. As always, if you're enjoying uh, the first season of our wonderful, uh, our wonderful podcast, uh, please rate and review us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does help that five stars, five stars um, on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on other podcast platforms where you can rate it, rate and review us, please do. It, it really does help us. Um, and Makes me tell feel a friend. so good about myself. Yes, yes. Make us <laughs> boost our self-esteem. <laughs> Please, I'm so sad. <laughs> we use this podcast for uh for our uh, for therapy. <laughs> My therapist uh, isn't able to make me happy, so maybe you can by giving me five stars. <laughs> so so we're gonna we're gonna guilt everyone. Yeah, I'm putting my happiness in your hands. <laughs> and if you don't give me five stars. Specifically me, not my grandfather, Matt, but the dad of this town. (laughs) Five stars. I'll be sad and it'll be your fault and you'll have that burden for the rest of your life. Wow, that that got aggressive. I'm I'm let let the record show that I'm asking more uh, uh, as a as a plea, and uh, you know if you really want, I'm asking more delicately. That's because you're the grandpa. The, the parents always got to give you the guilt trip. <laughs> it's their job. Uh, so thank you everyone uh, for listening, and uh, uh, we're about this is what we're over halfway through the first season, right? I think we are. I think we're over halfway. Halfway through our first exhibit, um, we're, we got to talk about season two here. We got to talk about what exhibit we're going to open next. So. I have, I have, I have one I kind of really want to do, and it's because there okay. is another. We have another audience suggestion that isn't food, um, and so the but it would be fitting for a potential second season. So that's the other thing too. Like we said, like email us suggestions. As much as I would love to hear about food related ones, and we can throw them into this. But if you're like this game or this toy or this anything this clothing item i don't care send that because that gives us ideas of new things we can talk about later yeah because i mean i guess if we didn't describe how this podcast is going to work it's going to be in season so mm-hmm. each season will probably be about 12 episodes is kind of what we think depending on how much content we have um and uh and then we'll you know so the season will release we'll take a little bit of a break because we gotta you know prepare the exhibit curate it you know things like that um and then we'll open up a new exhibit and and we'll drop some episodes and we'll probably come back to food so if if we don't hit something in in this first season uh i'm sure the museum can open a second food exhibit and uh, so yeah, yeah, we're still, we're, we're, we're excited. There's a lot of fun things that were that to come. So, yeah. all right. Well, um, that about does it here at the museum of the discontinued and, uh, discontinued on display. Um, yeah, we will see you all next time. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.
Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.